Section 24 of A General View of Positivism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gerald Hoskins. A General View of Positivism by Auguste Comte. Translated by John Henry Bridges. Section 24, Chapter 5. The Relation of Positivism to Art. Part 3. Of the three arts which appeal to the voluntary sense of sight and which present simultaneous impressions, painting, on the same principle of arrangement, holds the first rank and architecture the last, sculpture being placed between them. Painting alone employs all the methods of visual expression, combining the effects of color with those of form. Whether in public or private life, its sphere is wider than that of the other two. More technical skill is required in it than in music, and it is harder to obtain, but the difficulty is less than in sculpture or in architecture. These latter idealize less and imitate more. Of the two, architecture is the less aesthetic. It is far more dependent on technical processes, and indeed most of its productions are rather works of industry than works of art. It seldom rises above material beauty. Moral beauty it can only represent by artifices, of which the meaning is often ambiguous. But the impressions conveyed by it are so powerful and so permanent that it will always retain its place among the fine arts, especially in the case of great public buildings, which stand out as the most imposing record of each successive phase of social development. Never has the power of architecture been displayed to greater effect than in our magnificent cathedrals, in which the spirit of the Middle Ages has been idealized and preserved for posterity. They exhibit in a most striking manner the property which architecture possesses of bringing all the arts together into a common center. These brief remarks will illustrate the method adopted by the new philosophy in investigating a systematic theory of art under all its statical aspects. We have now to speak of its action upon social life, whether in the final state of humanity or in the transitional movement through which that state is to be reached. The positive theory of history shows us at once, in spite of strong prejudices to the contrary, that up to the present time the progress achieved by art has been, like that of science and industry, only preparatory, the conditions essential to its full development never having yet been combined. Too much has been made of the aesthetic tendencies of the nations of antiquity, owing to the free scope that was given to imagination in constructing their doctrines. In fact, polytheism, now that the belief in its principles exists no longer, has been regarded as simply a work of art. But the long duration of its principles would be sufficient proof that they were not created by the poets, but that they emanated from the philosophic genius of humanity working spontaneously, as explained in my theory of human development, in the only way that was then possible. All that art did for polytheism was to perform its proper function of clothing it in a more poetic form, it is quite true that the peculiar character of polytheistic philosophy gave greater scope for the development of art than has been afforded by any subsequent system it is to this portion of the theological period that we must attribute the first steps of aesthetic development whether in society or in the individual yet art was never really incorporated into the ancient order its free growth was impossible so long as it remained under the control of theocracy which made use of it as an instrument, but which, from the stationary character of its dogmas, shackled its operations. 
moreover the social life of antiquity was highly unfavorable to art the sphere of personal feelings and domestic affections was hardly open to it public life in ancient times had certainly more vigorous and more permanent features and here there was a wider field yet even in such a case as that of homer we feel that he would have hardly spent his extraordinary powers upon descriptions of military life had there been nobler subjects for his genius the only grand aspect viewed socially that war could offer the system of incorporation instituted by rome after a succession of conquests could not then be foreseen when that period arrived ancient history was drawing to a close and the only poetical tribute to this nobler policy was contained in a few beautiful lines of virgil's enid ending with the remarkable expression pacisque imponere morem impose the law of peace medieval society notwithstanding irrational prejudices to the contrary would have been far more favorable to the fine arts could it have been continued longer i do not speak indeed of its dogmas which were so incompatible with art as to lead to the strange inconsistency of giving a factitious sanction to paganism in the midst of christianity by holding personal and chimerical objects before us as the end of life monotheism discouraged all poetry except so far as it related to our individual existence this however was idealized by the mystics whose beautiful compositions penetrated into our inmost emotions and wanted nothing but greater perfection of form all that catholicism effected for art in other respects was to secure a better position for it as soon as the priesthood became strong enough to counteract the intellectual and moral defects of christian doctrine but the social life of the middle ages was far more aesthetic than that of antiquity war was still the prevailing occupation but by assuming a defensive character it had become far more moral and therefore more poetic women had acquired a due measure of freedom and the free development of home affections were thus no longer restricted there was a consciousness of personal dignity hitherto unknown and yet quite compatible with social devotion which elevated individual life in all its aspects all these qualities were summed up in the noble institution of chivalry which gave a strong stimulus to art throughout western europe and diffused it more largely than in any former period this movement was in reality though the fact is not recognized as it should be the source of modern art the reason for its short duration is to be found in the essentially transient and provisional character of medieval society under all its aspects by the time that its language and habits had become sufficiently stable for the aesthetic spirit to produce works of permanent value catholic feudalism was already undermined by the growing force of the negative movement the beliefs and modes of life offered for idealization were seen to be declining and neither the poet nor his readers could feel those deep convictions which the highest purposes of art require during the decline of chivalry art received indirectly an additional impulse from the movement of social decomposition which has been going on rapidly for the last five centuries in this movement all mental and social influences gradually participated negativism it is true is not the proper province of art but the dogmas of christianity were so oppressive to it that its efforts to shake off the yoke were of great service to the cause of general emancipation dante's incomparable work is a striking illustration of this anomalous combination of two contradictory influences it was a situation unfavorable for art because every aspect of life was rapidly changing and losing its character before there was time to idealize it 
consequently the poet had to create his own field artificially from ancient history which supplied him with those fixed and definite modes of life which he could not find around him thus it was that for several centuries the classical system became the sole source of aesthetic culture the result being that art lost much of the originality and popularity which had previously belonged to it that great masterpieces should have been produced at all under such unfavorable circumstances is the best proof of the spontaneous character of our aesthetic faculties the value of the classical system has been for some time entirely exhausted and now that the negative movement has reached its extreme limits there only remained one service a service of great temporary importance for art to render the idealization of doubt itself such a phase of course admitted of but short duration the best examples of it are the works of byron and goethe the principal value of which has been that they have initiated protestant countries into the unrestricted freedom of thought which emanated originally from french philosophy thus history shows that the aesthetic development of humanity has been the result of spontaneous tendencies rather than of systematic guidance the mental conditions most favorable to it have never been fulfilled simultaneously with its social conditions at the present time both are alike wanting yet there is no evidence that our aesthetic faculties are on the decline not only has the growth of art proceeded in spite of every obstacle but it has become more thoroughly incorporated into the life of ordinary men in ancient times it was cultivated only by a small class so little was it recognized as a component part of social organization that it did not even enter into men's imaginary visions of a future existence but in the middle ages the simplest minds were encouraged to cultivate the sense of beauty as one of the purest delights of human life and it was held out as the principal occupation of the celestial state from that time all classes of european society have taken an increasing interest in these elevating pleasures beginning with poetry and thence passing to the special arts especially music the most social of all the influence of artists even when they had no real claim to the title has been on the increase until at last the anarchy of the present time has introduced them to political power for which they are utterly unqualified all this would seem to show that the greatest epoch of art has yet to come in this respect as in every other the past has but supplied the necessary materials for future reconstruction what we have seen as yet is but a spontaneous and immature prelude but in the manhood of our moral and mental powers the culture of art will proceed on principles as systematic as the culture of science and of industry both of which at present are similarly devoid of organization the regeneration of society will be incomplete until art has been fully incorporated into the modern order and to this result all our antecedents have been tending to renew the aesthetic movement so admirably begun in the middle ages but interrupted by classical influences will form a part of the great work which positivism has undertaken the completion and re-establishment of the medieval structure upon a firmer intellectual basis and when art is once restored to its proper place its future progress will be unchecked because as i shall now proceed to show all the influences of the final order spontaneous or systematic will be in every respect favorable to it if this can be made clear the poetic capabilities of positive philosophy will require no further proof
as being the only rallying point now possible for fixed convictions without which life can have no definite or permanent character positivism is on this ground alone indispensable to all further development of modern art if the poet and his readers are alike devoid of such convictions no idealization of life whether personal domestic or social is in any true sense possible no emotions are fit subjects for art unless they are felt deeply and unless they come spontaneously to all when society has no marked intellectual or moral feature art which is its mirror can have none either and although the aesthetic faculty is so innate in us that it can never remain inactive yet its culture becomes in this case vague and objectless the fact therefore that positivism terminates the revolution by initiating the movement of organic growth is of itself enough to prove its beneficial influence upon art art indeed would profit by any method of reorganization whatever its nature but the principle on which positivism proposes to reconstruct is peculiarly favorable to its growth the opinions and the modes of life to which that principle conducts are precisely those which are most essential to aesthetic development a more aesthetic system cannot be imagined than one which teaches that feeling is the basis on which the unity of human nature rests and which assigns as the grand object of man's existence progress in every direction but especially moral progress it may seem at first as if the tendency of the new philosophy was merely to make us more systematic and systematization is assuredly indispensable but the sole object of it is to increase our sympathy and our synergic activity by supplying that fixity of principle which alone can lead to energetic practice by teaching that the highest happiness is to aid in the happiness of others positivism invites the poet to his noblest function the culture of generous sympathies a subject far more poetic than the passions of hatred and oppression which hitherto have been his ordinary theme a system which regards such culture as the highest object cannot fail to incorporate poetry as one of its essential elements and to give to it a far higher position than it has ever held before science although it be the source from which the positive system emanates will be restricted to its proper function of supplying the objective basis for human provision thus giving to art and industry which must always be the principal objects of our attention the foundation they require positivism substituting in every subject the relative point of view for the absolute regarding that is every subject in its relation to humanity would not prosecute the study of the true beyond what is required for the development of the good and the beautiful beyond this point scientific culture is a useless expenditure of time and a diversion from the great end for which man and society exist subordinate as the ideal must ever be to the real art will yet exercise a most salutary influence upon science as soon as we cease to study science in an absolute spirit in the very simplest phenomena after reaching the degree of exactness which our wants require there is always a certain margin of liberty for the imagination an advantage may very well be taken of this to make our conceptions more beautiful and so far more useful still more valuable is this influence of the beautiful on the true in the highest subjects those which directly concern humanity minute accuracy being here more difficult and at the same time less important more room is left for aesthetic considerations in representing the great historical types for instance art has its place as well as science a society which devotes all its powers to making every aspect of life as perfect as possible 
will naturally give preference to that kind of intellectual culture which is of all others the best calculated to heighten our sense of perfection the tendency of positivism to favor these the most energetic of our intellectual faculties and the most closely related to our moral nature is apparent throughout its educational system the reader will have seen in the third chapter that in positive education more importance is attached to art than to science as the true theory of human development requires science intervenes only to put in systematic shape what art operating under the direct influence of affection has spontaneously begun as in the history of mankind aesthetic development preceded scientific development so it will be with the individual whose education on the positive method is but a reproduction of the education of the race the only rational principle of our absurd classical system is its supposed tendency to encourage poetical training the futility however of this profession is but too evident the usual result of the system being to implant erroneous notions of all the fine arts if not utter distaste for them a striking illustration of its worthlessness is the idolatry with which for a whole century our french pedants regarded Boileau, a most skilful versifier but of all our poets perhaps the least gifted with true poetic feeling positivist education will effect what classical education has attempted so imperfectly it will familiarize the humblest working man or woman from childhood with all the beauties of the best poets not those of his own nation merely but of all the west to secure the genuineness and efficiency of aesthetic development attention must first be given to the poets who depict our own modern society afterwards as i have said the young positivist will be advised to complete his poetical course by studying the poets who have idealized antiquity but his education will not be limited to poetry it will embrace the special arts of sound and form by which the principal effects of poetry are reproduced with greater intensity thus the contemplation and meditation suggested by art besides their own intrinsic charm will prepare the way for the exercise of similar faculties in science for with the individual as with the species the combination of images will assist the combination of signs signs in their origin being images which have lost their vividness as the sphere of art includes every subject of human interest we shall become familiarized during the aesthetic period of education with the principal conceptions that are afterwards to be brought before us systematically in the scientific period especially will this be true of historical studies by the time that the pupil enters upon them he will already be familiar with poetic descriptions of the various social phases and of the men who played a leading part in them and if art is of such importance in the education of the young it is no less important in the afterwork of education the work of recalling men or classes of men to those high feelings and principles which in the daily business of life are so apt to be forgotten in the solemnities private or public appointed for this purpose positivism will rely far more on impressions such as poetry can inspire than on scientific explanations indeed the preponderance of art over science will still be greater than in education properly so called the scientific basis of human conduct having been already laid down it will not be necessary to do more than refer to it the philosophic priesthood will in this case be less occupied with new conceptions than the enforcement of truth already known which demands aesthetic rather than scientific talent 
a vague presentiment of the proper function of art in regulating public festivals was shown empirically by the revolutionists but all their attempts in this direction proved notorious failures a signal proof that politicians should not usurp the office of spiritual guides the intention of a festival is to give public expression to deep and genuine feeling spontaneousness therefore is its first condition hence it is a matter with which political rulers are incompetent to deal and even the spiritual power should only act as a systematic organ of impulses which already exist since the decline of catholicism we have had no festivals worthy of the name nor can we have them until positivism has become generally accepted all that governments could do at present is to exhibit unmeaning and undignified shows before discordant crowds who are themselves the only spectacles worth beholding indeed the usurpation of this function by government is in many cases as tyrannical as it is irrational arbitrary formulas are often imposed which answer to no pre-existing feeling whatever evidently the direction of festivals is a function which more than any other belongs exclusively to the spiritual power since it is the spiritual power which regulates the tendencies of which these festivals are the manifestation here its work is essentially aesthetic a festival even in private and still more in public life is or should be a work of art its purpose being to express certain feelings by voice or gesture and to idealize them it is the most aesthetic of all functions since it involves usually a complete combination of the four special arts under the precedence of the primary art poetry on this ground governments have in most cases been willing to waive their official authority in this matter and to be largely guided by artistic counsel accepting even the advice of painters and sculptors in the default of poets of real merit end of section twenty four